Wow, what an episode I have for you guys today. Shark Safe Solutions is the next big thing potentially in protecting our beaches without killing sharks. I speak to one of the four inventors of this system, which is Sara Andreonotti, and she shares with us all of what's been happening in the field. Basically, this has been going on since 2012, and they created these incredible systems which are like a kelp forest, which have magnets in them, which visually and magnetically repel sharks from going through them. This will be an exclusion technology, keeping beaches safe, keeping people from having potential shark encounters which aren't positive, and we hear about it all from a marine biologist who has a doctor in biology with a specialization in white sharks and their genetics. In this episode, we talk all about the current fishing technologies, which are shark calls essentially using technology from 1930, which kills sharks and dolphins and turtles and all sorts of stuff. And then talks about the future, which is biomimicry and actually using magnets and futurized technology to help keep divers and swimmers and surfers safe on beaches. She gives us an insight into their testing process, what the data is showing, and how they went from first testing into then creating squares with chum in the middle to make sure the sharks don't get in. Anyway, there is so much information in this episode. I am absolutely thrilled to have had Sara on here today. So let's get into the episode. Of course, before we get started, it would mean the world to me if you take some time and rate this podcast on your iTunes or any other provider you listen to. If you are curious, there's going to be all the show notes, the scientific papers, all the things we talk about on the Ocean Pancake podcast website, which is just Ocean Pancake. And of course, follow me on Instagram or YouTube if you want to get in touch with me, Vegan Diver Cat, and that is where um, the best place to ask me any questions or recommendations or anything like that. So let's get started. Every day there's a new news story about the crisis facing our ocean. Whether it's the plastic issue, overfishing, pollution, if the oceans die, we die. Fortunately, we have plenty of environmental activists, marine conservationists, and eco-warriors who are out there every day fighting to protect our oceans and our Earth. On the Ocean Pancake Podcast, we're going to be hearing from some of them about how to decrease our environmental footprint, go plastic-free, participate in ocean conservation, cleanups, and even maybe some marine science. So, welcome to the Ocean Pancake Podcast, where the goal is sustainability and living a turquoise life. My name is Kat Andreskova, and I'm your host today. Let's get into this week's episode. who is a marine biologist and doctor in biology with a specialization in white sharks and their genetics. So thank you so much for being here on the Ocean Pancake Podcast. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. So the reason I invited Sara here uh, to be with us today is because she is one of the four minds, the four inventors behind the shark barrier, which is a new non-lethal technology of potentially protecting beaches uh, from great white sharks. So please, Sara, can you just let us know a little bit about the shark barrier? Uh, sure. The shark safe barrier is an uh, invention that came about to solve the problem of shark and human conflict. 
it is called shark safe for a very specific reason. We want to keep people safe, but we also want to keep sharks safe. Up until now, the most used uh, system to reduce the shark and human interaction in the water is fishing the sharks out. So reducing the population of sharks. And we have that in Australia, in South Africa, the Union Island, uh, partially also New Caledonia now, they are exploring this possibility. And for people that knows a little bit about ecology and how the environment works, the taking a top predator out of an environment is really detrimental in the short and long term. Uh, predators such as sharks are really, really important for maintaining the ecosystem balanced they keep the population of the smaller predator in check, they get rid of the sick individual, and that uh, will ensure that the whole ecosystem works smoothly without one population exploding in number and then overly reducing the next level of the food chain. So in theory, killing out predators is a horrible idea. And although we learn that from land, when it comes to the ocean, we, it seems that our fear for this predator overrule common sense. So we still have, since 1930, these fishing technology, which is gill nets that are designed to specifically choke the animal to death. And they don't provide a separation between human and shark. They are literally there to kill as many sharks as possible. And the best alternative to these shark nets, due to the fact that these shark nets also kill dolphins and turtles and whales, is the implementation of what is called drumline. And drumline is a very vague term for what these things actually are. Drumlines are hooks, very large hooks with a bait attached to it that have been implemented to reduce the bycatch of whales and dolphins on the net and target specifically sharks. So because of all of that going on, and since the work I did with Michael Rutten in South Africa was to count how many great white shark were left around our coast, we realized that there are very, very few left and we know that shark population is declining globally. We decided to put a lot of effort in providing a solution mm -hmm. to keep sharks just se simply separated from human without killing them. So that's how the shark safe barrier concept came about. We decided to build something that has the visual appearance of a thick forest of kelp because uh, this proves to be a natural barrier for great white in particular. The, the theory behind it is they probably are afraid of getting entangled in the stalls of kelp and they avoid these uh, thick kelp forests naturally. So by creating something the sharks recognize immediately as a natural barrier, mm -hmm. we already give them something to stay away from. They won't know what a net is. They are likely to swim into it. But if you put large pipes like we, we, we have, um, we try to biomimic a thick kelp forest as much as we can, then the sharks see something they don't like to start with. Then thanks to the contribution of Dr. Craig O'Connell from the uh, Massachusetts University, we 
implemented the large ceramic magnet into the technology. So it was this combination of um, Michael Ratzen, who have been diving with the sharks for a long time uh, out of the cage. He realized how you can use thick cold forest to protect your back when you're filming shark out of the cage. And he came up with the concept of making a fake forest of kelp. Then Dr. O'Connell came in with his magnet. We combined uh, the concept and brought them to the University of Stellenbosch. University of Stellenbosch that said, okay, there is potential in that. That can solve a very big issue worldwide. They patented for us, which mm -hmm. is brilliant, considering how much patenting costs. Uh, from there, I'm talking about 2012. Now we are some, quite some years later. Yeah. We went through all the tests with white sharks in South Africa, bull shark in the Bahamas. And it took that long because as scientists go, we wanted all the work to be public in peer review scientific journal. We had to collect enough data. Then as the work was proceeding, we involved Lori Barwell, who is a coastal engineer, to help improving the design on this product. So we, we came a long way to finally now be able to say, okay, guys, we've got something ready. Let's, you know, join forces and make it happen. That's, that's fantastic. Because... Um, it's funny, just last week, I actually did a Ocean Pancake podcast episode about the shark nets and the drum lines with um, the coordinators of Apex Harmony from Sea Shepherd, who yes. are gathering all the data up and down uh, Queensland Gold Coast, which for those of you guys who don't know, there is 383 drum lines on the coast of Queensland right now catching sharks every single day since I think the 60s. Um, and that's really horrific as, as we just learned how important sharks are to the whole ecosystem. So we do need an alternative and um, to kind of minimize any of these shark bite incidents, which have caused this irrational fear of shark. Because, of course, the, the statistics for shark bite incidents are still relatively low if we compare them to accidents in the car or even like horse riding or any other um, animal related injuries. Um, I believe there's about seven deaths a year. Is that correct? If, yeah, yeah, that's correct. Yeah, so less some, some years. The problem here it is is a very emotional subject, mm -hmm. and and the, the decisions are taken upon emotions. Uh, so we there are a couple of factors here. One is misinformation. I'm very grateful for this um, net film that Apex Harmony put out. Yeah. Is, is just half an hour, but I will suggest for everyone to go and have a look. Because one of the most difficult part of our, from our side of our job is inform people that the shark net and the drum line, they, they are a problem. They're actually killing sharks. Mm -hmm. There have been such a good marketing to present this uh, system as human protection measures or a shark managing system and they keep, they call them shark nets. They don't call them gill nets, which is yeah. what they actually are. Gill nets. Um, they, the marketing behind it was brilliant. And I am, um, I'm not trying to attack people that are implementing it. I would like them to keep their job, but change the technology. Yeah. If that makes sense. 
uh, is not about um, them being the evil uh, doing that. It is a, is is much deeper than that. It is people's fear that decide to vote for politicians that want to feel better and feel as if they are doing something with it, and then putting money into this kind of system. Um, is the old structure that must change? Yeah, definitely. In South Africa, we have the Kruger National Park. Mm -hmm. In the beginning of the 20th centuries, there was a project running with the idea of killing all the predators in the Kruger because these were affecting the safety of the hunters that were going to hunt other animals. Mm -hmm. Studies were done. They realized that without the predator, the whole ecosystem would collapse. So what we have now in the Kruger is fences that keeps the predator separated from humans mm -hmm. and we have tourism activity what my wish is is for the ocean we will get to do the same for sharks we have fences separation shark safe or whatever system comes up that works i don't mind is as long as the sharks don't get killed yeah something that keeps sharks separated from people for the normal surfing and and swimming activity and then ecotourism mm -hmm. so we can make a good uh, local economy for small or big town around shark ecotourism because they're stunning to see underwater they are they're really, really beautiful so we should for you know politician for people that always look at the economical aspect of things you can make a lot more money from sharks by keeping them alive yeah they're definitely worth more alive. And we can see that uh, in examples in the Bahamas, um, as well as Fiji, where there's enormous industries now being funded basically from just shark tourism. And Philippines is another example with um, the whale sharks there. Yes, and you get fishermen that used to fish them that now they're making a lot better money just by bringing tourists to, to look at them and keeping them alive. Yeah, and another, of course, uh, benefit of having this shark tourism is people understanding and getting rid of that irrational fear, which unfortunately was was uh, fed even more by Jaws, the movie. <laughs> yeah, and you know, is um, I, I agree with you. Jo Jaws made a big impact, but Jaws was on, what 1974? Yeah, or something like that. 1974, 1976. Uh, that was quite some like 50 years ago yeah <laughs> and and yet now we have some um discovery channel documentary that uh, keeps on underlying this fear for the predator yeah and other documentary that keeps on making it all about the fear and i had this discussion with a lot of directors or producers where we refused to work with them because we don't need any more bad publicity for the sharks. Yeah. And a lot of them care more about the rating mm -hmm. rather than the information. And I am fighting it by saying uh, documentaries is a form of art. Mm -hmm. It is up to the artist to shape uh, people's tastes. If uh, arts would go with what people want, Picasso would never come about or Van Gogh. We would have keep on making drawing inside the cave because that is what people used to like. Yeah. 
so they, they should stop going against the rating. They should change the format, change it to show how beautiful the sharks are. And I'm convinced people will start seeing the same way we see them. And, you know, shape the rating. Don't follow the rating. No, that's, that's a really nice way of putting it. And I do think there are some documentaries coming out in the next year or two years, which, which do paint sharks in a better light. So we're going to just have to... Absolutely. Yeah, like Animal, Animal Planet, the Hachenberg documentaries, they are stunning. Yeah, and, uh, and I think those have some of the highest ratings imaginable. Precisely, precisely. <laughs> so don't come and tell me that blood sell. Uh, it doesn't necessarily sell. It is the easy, easiest way, um, but it's no longer the right way. So that should change. Um, in terms of the shark-safe barrier, so you said they were tested, and of course there's been published studies which have been peer-reviewed. Um, could you tell us a little bit more about the testing process? So you said you, there were some in South Africa and Réunion. Um, how, like, in what area were they tested, and were there cameras? You know, how exactly does the testing of these shark-safe barriers look like? Well, that was a collaborative project with Dr. O'Connell from the University of Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. He started with the magnets first mm -hmm. by checking which kind of magnet deters uh, the sharks. And he came up discovering that the barium ferrite uh, ceramic magnets are of a certain size are the best one to use. And the experiment at that stage were very straightforward. We, it just put a fish with a brick that looks like a magnet and a fish with an actual magnet uh, about a couple of meters from each other. Mm -hmm. And then he would record with camera how many times a shark would go and eat the fish that is next to the brick and how many times he goes and eats the fish that is next to the magnet and how many times he avoids the fish because of the magnet. So from this test, you could see that the magnets were affecting the choice of the shark um, very, very much. That was phase one. Mm -hmm. And phase two was building a fake uh, forest of kelp. And to do so, we attached a plastic pipe at the bottom of the ocean that stands all the way to the surface, and they are about one meter out of the water in low tide. Mm -hmm. This way, when the tides change, you know, they're still sticking out. Inside these uh, pipes, we have, of course, more than one row of pipe to ha have this appearance of a thick forest of kelp. The outside row of pipe, in other words, the pipes that are facing the sharks, mm -hmm. these pipes has magnets inside. So there is the merging of two shark deterrent systems, the visual appearance of kelp and the magnetic field. But the magnets, what they do is they overwhelm the sixth sense the sharks have that is called Ampolio Florentini. The sixth sense allows the shark to detect very, very minute electric and magnetic field. That is how they hunt. That is how they can feel the heartbeat of a prey thanks to the electricity that we disperse in the water. And they can eat um, a fish that is covered by sand just by feeling where the fish is. So by uh, exposing them to very large magnet, we can chase them out, ch chase them away. It's like a push. Mm -hmm. We combined these two, and the second phase was making a curtain of shark safe 
bait the sharks and trying to convince them to come through the pipe. We did that in the Bahamas by, with the bull sharks and then in South Africa with the, with the great white sharks. And in South Africa specifically is where I, I, I worked um, on the data collection while Craig O'Connell was doing that in the Bahamas. I, I didn't fly there. Then Craig came here the first years to do also on the Great White. Uh, what is, was amazing to see is that this bunch of pipes with magnets inside were enough to get a Great White Shark to swim all the way around the curtain to get to the bait. Oh, wow. So it would have spent the energy to go all the way around. It was a 40 meter curtain that we built. But that wasn't enough. After we did that and we published that, we were looking for a beach to close uh, area and separate sharks from, exclude them from an area. Mm-hmm. But that wasn't enough because we were told that we didn't prove with this test that we can exclude sharks. We just proved the sharks can spend their energy to go around the fence. Yeah. So I say, okay, no worries. <laughs> we make a, <laughs> then we make a 13 by 13 meter square of barrier in the shark alley in Clownsby in South Africa. Mm-hmm. Uh, that took approximately 200 pipes and some funding from the Technology Innovation Agency, the University of Stellenbosch, and a lot of hours uh, of diving and building and moving blocks. And once that was built, the experiment was, again, very straightforward. A large bucket of fish in the middle of the square to try and convince the shark to come and get it. And then we would have have a GoPro to film the bucket of fish inside the square and additional GoPro on the outside of the square to film the shark's behavior. I'm still hoping I I need to approach GoPro because I'm giving them so much publicity with this that they should (laughs) actually come and throw GoPros at us. Instead of saying with your camera, I keep on saying GoPro all the time because that's what we we use. They're tiny and they, they run for hours. So... The experiment, again, was chum the water to get sharks to come to the experiment. Then um, I would get inside the square to get the camera to film in the right direction, switch them on so they can start recording as the sharks arrive. And then I hop back on the boat. The boat would have put me in the water and out from the inside of the square, so I was, I was safe. Um, and we did that for two years and we got 63 sharks. None of them crossed the, the pipes to get to the fish. So it worked. What can I say? The, the whole concept is if we put that around the beach, mm-hmm. we won't even have the chum. People are not a shark, shark food or a shark prey. Yeah. So they, they don't get to cross it if motivated by a prey, without motivation, they, I don't see them have any reason to cross it. Yeah. So if they're motivated and they still don't cross it, then it just makes That's sense. That's right. If- and the same thing was done by Dr. O'Connell in the Bahamas with the bull sharks. And after we published all of the above, we were then thinking, okay, now we're ready to protect a beach. Mm-hmm. 
Rev and with and the engineers also went with it because it seems to be an easy exercise to attach a pipe and let it stand the, the ocean strength. Yeah. But we learn at our expenses, literally at our expenses, that the ocean has a way to break things. It's yes. really good at it. We went through, you have no idea, how, so many different design. We went from rope to chain to fan belt, car fan belt. We went through so many different uh, tests to try to finally get the combination of material and the combination of design that can withstand the ocean. Uh, it, it took us a lifetime to get the product as it is now. And we were then approached by Reunion Island, who since 2014 implemented the fishing of the sharks, the shark cull, to, to deplete their population because they had uh, a lot of uh, bad accident in that island. It is a small French island that lives on tourism and it was really famous for the surfing activity. And due to a lot of very tragic incidents, they, they had to find a solution and find it fast. And since they calculated they lost 20 million euro per year from, uh, in, in tourism loss because of the sharks problem. But the first things they came up with were culling. So just fishing program. And they're still doing it. Yeah. They also implemented some exclusion nets, but exclusion nets cannot be, or at least for reunion, they, they didn't put them behind the surfing area because okay. they don't go that deep. They just protect a small area. So they approached us and we were so very happy thinking, yay, now we're going to get a beach. Now we can finally put it around the beach. But they didn't want to put it around the beach. They want to also replicate our test of the little square, the 205 okay. square in Reunion. So they could see with their own eye that this system works with the Reunion bull shark mm -hmm. and the system can withstand their uh, wave condition. Yeah. And that is what we did in January. We exported a container with the pipes. We built the anchorage system on location and we built them to be an experiment. So the anchorage system is also not the, the final one. It's a system that we need to take out at the end of the experiment. But the pipes themselves that we installed in January went through massive storm mm -hmm. and they didn't need any maintenance. They are still happy. So they're quite impressed with it. They didn't touch it uh, on purpose. They wanted to see without even cleaning the pipe, how long does it, does it resist? And it's about eight months now. Oh, no maintenance. Okay. Yeah. They're very happy. I, I was there, what, three weeks ago to check it out. And it is, it is amazing to see. And you have all of these, it becomes an artificial reef. You have all of these tropical fishes going and picking the little seaweed that grows on the pipes. And it's just beautiful. Okay, I'm biased. Is I'm working <laughs> on it, but it's it's really really pretty to to see. No, well, it's definitely, only... definitely sounds prettier than what's happening in in Australia, where um, for the drum lines they have to rebait them because you were saying they're baited hooks. They go out there mm -hmm. every three days, uh, so that's a lot more maintenance. Every three days they have a boat out there, and it's costing right. um, Queensland something like four million dollars a year. And now they've just actually tripled the budget, so it's. Uh, 
there's another $17 million going into it. Um, so uh, I don't think that's necessarily the best use of taxpaying money. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> Hopefully, with yeah, technology. The, the, the only way for this drum line to work if you kill every single shark. Which would create a whole horde of other problems. Um, yep. I, did, I did want to ask you, as, as a great white shark expert, basically, do you have any idea why um, the number of shark bites increased in Reunion in the past couple of years so significantly? There are a lot of theory, and reunion accidents are mainly due to bull sharks, not, not great white. Uh, they had a great white coat there in this uh, fishing system a couple of years ago. They sent me a genetic sample and to, to test it. But they, mo most of the, um, of the sharks there are uh, accidents are, are due to bull sharks. And there are a lot of theory around it that goes from, as usual, climate change, um, water utilization. Uh, one theory is also the reduction of larger predators, such as tiger shark, mm -hmm. could have uh, caused an imbalance already that made bull sharks that are a little smaller to utilize more areas than they used to. They're not fearing the presence of the tiger sharks anymore, so they start moving into areas they, use, they didn't used to use. So there are yeah there are several theories, uh, but what they are what they need, I believe, is a solution that doesn't create more damage than definitely something else. And um, they are looking into it. They have a the CRA, the Center for Reduction of the Quen, uh, the of uh, Shark Management Center. Um, that besides the fishing program, which I of course all heartedly disagree with, they are also spending a lot of money to test other systems, not just the shark safe, they also testing drones and sonar and monitoring system and different types of exclusion nets, um, which is great. Is the fact, just the fact that they're looking into something that is not fishing is a step forward. Definitely. In my opinion. Um, and in terms of the shark, shark safe barrier, uh, what would be the impacts on other creatures? So in the studies, I read that there have been no like impacts on bony fish and uh, what was the other one? Ah, the marine mammals. Marine as well. mammals. Yeah. We have a, a small num a small data set as marine mammals go because we install next to Giza Rock in uh, Hansby, mm -hmm. and there we have a large colony of Cape Fur seals. So we have good evidence that the, cape, the, the seals don't, don't care about it. They were actually playing into the pipes as if it is natural kelp. We don't have data on other marine mammals just because we haven't seen them coming in. Mm -hmm. uh, it just depends on where do we install of turtles. But because they don't have the Ampulolorinthini system uh, to detect the magnetism, that sharks has, yeah. we can definitely assume they will just swim through it, same as the bony fishes do. The bony fishes just, they love it. They just swim through it. <laughs> they, they feel happy and they, there are herbivorous fishes. They, are, they clean the, the pipes for us. 
that is just stunning to see. Uh, Cape Fur Seals were playing in it and giving us a heart attack as we were working on the system <laughs> because, of course, we were working in the shark alley. And although we, we've been diving with sharks, Mike Ratzen is famous for it, before we normally do it in very good visibility condition and we know we are doing it. So you are focusing on just doing it. You're in the water, the sharks are beautiful, they don't bother us, they swim around, but you know you're doing it. If you're busy moving concrete blocks or attaching pipes and all of a sudden you have a very large shade, shade of next to it, and it turned out being a very curious cape for seals that comes and check what you're doing, <laughs> you still get a little bit of a fright. Yeah. <laughs> you, yeah. Um, it's different. It is. Yeah. <laughs> but they're really, really, they're really, really curious. So what, what can you say? And the, the sharks were also around, but they, they were a lot more polite and they were swimming uh, further and looking at what we are doing, but they stay, they, they don't, they don't come that close as a seal does. Yeah. <laughs> so no. I would, that suggest, make, will suggest that they don't mind the pipes as much, uh, right? The opposite. What about um, animals like rays, which also have the electromagnetic? Yes. Stingrays will be uh, also excluded from the area. Stingrays uh, and the Elasmobranchi species that has the, the same Ampullo Florentini, mm -hmm. they will be excluded from the area as well. So that's uh, only... Un that and smaller sharks, we are excluding yeah. these, these groups from, from that. But not bony fishes, not turtles who maybe wants to reach the beach to the, to, for their eggies. Yeah. And what, what are the costs looking like? Because um, it seems like a lot of technology and a lot of material, because you're saying the 13 by 13 meters was 200 pipes. Um, yeah. So that depends. To surround a See, beach. Uh, I am always very... Um, I don't like to say how much. For yeah, no, of course. Reason, because it is custom made. Mm -hmm. We are working with beaches and the beaches are all different from each other. You have one that have a rocky substrate, which will require a rock's anchor. Mm -hmm. If you have deep sand, then we need a, a different design to deploy this on sand. Uh, the depth and how quickly the mathematics goes to a certain depth also affects the length of the pipe and how much the old installation costs. So I have ballpark figures, but I don't like to tell them to the public because I don't want to say um, that is the cost and then maybe for their beach it's going to be half of the price because the bathymetry is different. That's true. Or I raise high expectation <laughs> about, oh, that is so cheap. And then when we go and, and check the, the place, it goes down to 10 meters super fast. Mm -hmm. and then the pipes are longer and then it costs more. And it's going to be very complicated to explain that to the municipality. So I'm, I'm sorry. That's, that's I'm sorry okay. for that. It, but it's like cost of making. We can, um, we can say that the, the costs will most likely be less than uh, the amount of money potentially saved through increased tourism due to people feeling safe. Absolutely. Um, and 
I, I can confidently say that we cost uh, not a lot more, but a little more than nets, uh, exclusion nets, you yeah. know, not, not the, the gill nets. Of course, we cost more than, than gill nets, but we cannot compare with killing the animals. Uh, <laughs> the, what our technology does in terms of saving money is, is the fact that it requires very little maintenance and monitoring, the monitoring of exclusion nets or systems that are on the surface down needs a diver to get in and check for holes and check if there are uh, opening. Because the pipe sticks out of the water, you can sit on the beach with a binoculars and check whether the system integrity is still fine. And maybe once or a month or once every two months, dive and check that all the attachments are fine, that all the anchorage is fine. But you don't need to dive to see that the, the system is still providing a, um, a separation from the sharks, which is a big step forward from anything else. Definitely, much less maintenance. How far yeah. away are the pipes from each other? It depends. The outside row of pipes, they are uh, 50 centimeters from each other, half a meter so that it looks like a very, very thick forest of kelp. And we alternate magnetic and non-magnetic mm -hmm. so that um, we create this magnetic field all around it. And then the second row of pipes, uh, the pipes are one meter apart. And the third row of pipes, they're also one meter apart and staggered. And the fourth row of pipes, they're also one meter apart and staggered. And I've been asked why for rows and not less than that, considering less can still uh, deter sharks. Uh, and the reason for having four is once we start working with human, for human safety, mm -hmm. if for any reason two pipes in one specific spot break off, mm -hmm. I don't know why. Let's say, I don't know why they would break off. They don't do that. But if, <laughs> if they do... Uh, you still have a functional system to separate people and sharks. If we will have only two rows and one break, one row is not in, one pipe is not a thick forest of kelp. Yeah. So it is our backup system so that we can always have an exclusion area. So it would be a full exclusion area which would keep the sharks out. What about like watercraft activities like boats? things like that. How does that work in terms of crossing this barrier or would there be little oh, no, that is or alleyways or how would that work? Yeah, no, no, it's cool because uh, they're uh, designed to look like a forest of kelp, mm -hmm. meaning that the pipes are flexible. Okay. The, the long pipe is, is, is built in two portions. You have an attachment at the bottom, mm -hmm. a short one meter pipe. Then you have a link that is very flexible that attach the longest pipe. Mm -hmm. So when the wave come, the small uh, piece at the bottom takes the uh, movement of the wave and goes almost flat. Yeah. The joint in between uh, is, is very flexible, so that keeps the long pipe vertical. What does it mean is also that they, they all move together like kelp, and if you have a boat, you can go through it. Okay. It is advisable to maybe switch off the engine if you want, but even if you, the engine is on, the pipes will just bounce off it. 
Okay. Cool. So they, they, they open up and then they close behind. We, we have been going, we tested it because I needed to get inside the square in the shark alley. Mm -hmm. So we, are, we had to go in and out with the boat every deployment so that I can drop into the safe area. Okay, and cool. Yeah, boat, boats are fine. So boats are fine. And pipes too. And the pipes. And pipes too. Yeah. <laughs> That's very important. Um, now, I guess, I guess like when I think about this, it's kind of similar to the shark exclusion nets, which it just seems like a lot of area to cover if we want to make, um, you know, people more comfortable in getting into the beaches. Like, for example, in Queensland or Western Australia, we have a lot of coast. Um, which is populated with people in a lot of beaches where swimmers are going. In in kind of your imagination or the future, do you see these shark safe barriers along all the beaches or just like chosen areas where it's the swimming zones or how would it really look like realistically? Because I don't think we could cover the entire coast with it. No, and also we... We don't really want to exclude shark from all of their yeah. ground. This won't be... Uh, yeah. Okay, it will be better than killing them. You know, better than killing, but still, you don't really want to exclude them from where they've been going for millions of years. Yeah. So the idea would be to target first the spot where uh, swimming and surfing is um, important for the local tourism. Mm -hmm. and the, econ the local economy and start small. Uh, we also don't want to, they say, make your, the step longer than, than your leg. Yeah. Like <laughs> so um, we want to build, start building this exclusion where people need them the most and ideally where shark nets and drumline are used so that we can stop it sooner than later. Mm -hmm. And if we start small, then people can build confidence in how the product works. And maybe we go to the next beach and maybe we go to the next beach. Even um, resort or hotel owners that has um, private entrance to the beach, they could get in touch with the local municipality and just keep their surfing and bathing area safe. And then if the, we can always move the pipe and make it larger in, in the, as, as we go yeah. in the future. So do you, do you think it would help at all um, if, if this technology wasn't a full like exclusion? Like, do you think just having it, for example, at intervals, um, emitting these magnetic, you know, the, know, this magnetic field, do you think that would potentially deter the sharks from going in the area or does it really need to be like a full exclusion to stop them from going through? No, it needs to be a full exclusion because the magnetism works for the first, uh, strongly for the first meter or two mm -hmm. to create a curtain. Yes. So if we will just put it here and there, the shark will of course avoid the pipes where they are and, and, just, go, go and just go through and around it like, like we tested. Fair enough. So what is kind of the next step for the shark safe barrier? What is, what are you working on right now? Right now, um, I'm, I'm working on what we are doing right now, basically getting a lot more people to know about it, yeah. uh, get to start a movement and change the way people approach the ocean so that 
the decision maker will be less afraid of investing in new technology. Because it's always a challenge. Yeah, it is. Um, so what can people do to kind of help um, eliminate the lethal shark technologies and support the non-lethal shark technologies, such as shark safe barrier? What, what would well, you an immediate, immediate, immediate help. <laughs> an immediate help would be for them to, to help us out. We have a um, um, crowdfunding campaign that we started running because we need to finalize the engineering test on the deep sand anchor. The sand next to the beach tends to move and build up and then disappear. So we cannot use the same anchorage system as we use on rocks. That is what we tested up until now. We have some tests running, but it's is expensive. <laughs> and we even the installation in the union was done in collaboration with the, the union uh, group. So didn't really make us money. So we, uh, we need some support to finalize this test. And we started a crowdfunding campaign on our website, that is the sharksafesolution.com website. You can find a link or we have a Facebook page. You can find SharkSafe Barrier in Facebook. You can go into the Thunderfound crowdfunding page if you want. So if you Google it, you, sh you should uh, ideally find where to support. We also have very cool t-shirt and hat that you can wear <laughs> to raise awareness and, and get something in return. But the, what I'm doing now is, is basically that, um, asking for more people to back us up. It's not a one-man job. No, we, we went as far as uh, building it and testing it and exporting it for the first time. Uh, but now we need the support of a lot more people. Even the crowdfunding... Uh, it will be ideal. We, we already raised um, $2,000, mm -hmm. but we need 12000 if we actually want to have enough money to pay for the boat, pay for the divers, and finalize the test. But what will be ideal for me is to have a lot of backers, even with $1. doesn't need to be a lot. Uh, so the ne next time I go and speak with the municipality, I go, look, guys, we run a crowdfunding campaign. Look at all the millions of people that want something like shark safe yeah. rather than killing sharks that will help tremendously that's that's always good to have power in numbers and um yes kind of to to finish off this very educational um episode i'd like to ask you the question i ask all of my guests which is if you have one piece of advice to give ocean lovers or people who want to get into ocean conservation or people who want to help protect our oceans, what is the one thing that you recommend they do, that they can do right now? Besides the crowdfunding campaign. Besides, besides <laughs> the crowdfunding campaign. They're all going there anyway, right guys? You're all going to go there right now. Okay. At least. Um, no. no, besides that, that is the immediate need for us. Um, what I would suggest everyone is to share their passion. The majority of people are not just afraid of sharks. They are afraid of the ocean. They are afraid of the sea. They're just so afraid. And you tend to be afraid of things you don't know. It's, say, it's, it's in the human nature to be afraid when you walk into a, a dark room because you don't know what is around. But if you love the ocean, just share your passion with the people that don't know it. And 
speak about shark and show what they really are. Uh, stop going on the fear and the Hollywood version of, of, of sharks. So my immediate suggestion is to start, keep on changing people attitude toward the ocean and toward the shark so that we can get everything better. Beautifully put. Uh, Sandra, once again, thank you so much for joining me here today. I've learned so much. And hopefully we can have you back in the next couple of months to, to hear about cool. progress. And if there's any cool. data you've covered uh, and, you know, your, your success essentially in creating non-lethal non shark exclusion methods. So Thank you. Okay, fantastic. Thank <laughs> you for having me. Thank you for letting me speak about that. I tend to talk a lot. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's good. We love it. I learned a lot today. Um, so yeah, thank you so much. <laughs> and oh, there is one thing. If you have any question or something, I am responsive on Facebook. Perfect. Most of the time. So the right questions, I respond and let's talk about it. Okay. Beautiful. Once again, thank you so much, Sara Andrianotti, for joining me here today. It was an honor to speak to you. I learned so much, and I am sure the audience enjoyed it greatly as well. Um, you guys heard her. If you want to help stop the killing of sharks, go support the Shark Safe Barrier Technology. Donate as little as $1. Just add your name to the mission and show the governments and show the people in charge that we do care about our sharks and that we don't want them dying for no reason. Uh, we need them to keep our ecosystems safe and balanced. So yeah, let's find technologies to actually help our planet without killing everything because we are past that. Anyway, it would mean the world to me if you do leave a comment rating or anything like that. Get in touch with both Sarah and I on Facebook or Instagram. It's all on the show notes on www.oceanpancake.com. And of course, I have to give a massive shout out and thank you to my friend Graham Mose, who is in charge of making the funky beats. He is actually based in Brisbane, Australia. So if you want to ever see him live, go check him out over there. But he does have a new EP out. And you can actually hear the full song of what plays in this podcast. So yeah, check that out. Thank you so much for being here with me today. And of course, shoot me a message if there's anyone else you want me to interview. Hope you enjoyed this and I'll see you guys next time.